0: Kitisa, when you take. When you take. And that, this is actually our portion for what took place several weeks ago before Purim, which was called Shabbat Shekalim, where God commands that the wealthy will not bring more, the poor will not bring less, and that everyone is going to contribute to the half shekel tax, right? That's how Kitisa starts. But there's something much more significant that takes place in Parsha Kitisa. What might you guess that event is for those who read the portion this week? Anyone read the portion this week? Anyone know? The golden calf. The golden calf. What's that? Yeah, but that doesn't preach as well as what we're going to talk about today. (laughs) Who wants to hear about a merciful God? Come on, let's talk about idolatry. No, we are going to talk about a merciful God because everyone wants to hear about a merciful God because everyone needs a merciful God and everyone has a merciful God. But golden calf, that's where we're starting. And Darren has made a wonderful slide for today's teaching, which I just smiled from ear to ear when I saw this. And you're wondering to yourself, hmm, that looks like a interesting uh, consideration. That's what we're gonna talk about today. But before we get to that, let's say this. How could this happen? How could it be that you come from Mount Sinai? You're at Mount Sinai, as a matter of fact, you haven't even left. And you've just stood there and said, all that you say will do, Moses, go up, take care of this. We're your people. How can this happen? Doesn't everyone always wonder, how can this happen? I can answer it for you very easily. They lost their connection. They lost their connection. Shabbat shalom. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered against Aaron and said to him, Come, Make us a God who shall go before us. For that man, Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So what connection did they lose? Well, they lost their connection to Moses indirectly because Moses had gone up. He's their representative. He's not come down the way that they thought that he was going to come down. And so they've lost this connection with Moses. But what did Moses represent? He represents the relationship to God. He is the connection. They had a connection to God. And Moses was gone, and their connection is broken, and therefore, God is gone. He has abandoned us. We are alone, or God is gone. Let's put this in contemporary terms for the way that people think about this today. In our contemporary, well, okay, God's not gone. God's outdated. God is, for the world out there today, irrelevant. God is antiquated. God is an opiate for the masses. God is boring. God is, and the big one, replaceable. He can be replaced. How will we do that? What is the solution? Disconnected from God? No big deal. Build yourself a golden bovine. Dance around it. Party. Have fun. Who needs God? He didn't care about you anyway. For a limited time, dial 1-800. Your own bovine cow can be yours. The solution is just replace him with something. And that's what's happening. Because people have lost their connection. It happened like that. How could it happen? It happens that easily. Anyone in here ever felt the feeling of being disconnected from God? Oh goodness, have I felt it. And when you are disconnected from God, it is so easy for other things to come and fill the space. And you find yourself Further and further. Has anyone ever been there? I hope so. I hope I'm not the only one. Because I feel that. I feel that still. I feel that still. When I allow myself to disconnect from prayer, from God for a period of time, I see all kinds of things change. I begin to hear my my words become different, my thoughts become different, and space is filled with something else. And we're filling that space, not we, but the world is filling that space the same way that Israel filled it then, with their own versions of golden cows. God is gone. God is antiquated. God is irrelevant. God is replaceable. And we've got a better thing. Now, what was the real What what was the sin of the golden calf? Idolatry is the number one answer, right? It's the most popular answer, idolatry. That's the number one answer, and it is a big deal, and it is real. But why was God so angry with the entire nation that he said, Moses, forget it, I'll kill them all, we'll start over? Why was he angry? Everyone was not involved in that sin. 3,000 died by the sword, some more died by the plague, some more died by drinking the bitter water, but it wasn't millions, it wasn't everybody. Why was God so angry? What was the sin? The sin was apathy and tolerance. Not to say idolatry was not a sin, it was. But what do I mean? Tolerance and apathy leads to this. The rest of the millions within the tribe who saw this happening did not have the courage, the care, the love, the responsibility to foster and safeguard their own tribe. And they watched it happen. So everything that everyone had said they would do Has destructed and disconnected this quickly because why? Because no one nurtured the tribe. No one cared enough about their neighbor. They may have loved God, but they didn't love their neighbor enough to step in and say, don't do that. These people who knew God, who heard God, who were supposed to be there to support each other, the very basics of the tribe, love God, love each other, had failed. Now, what could they have said? We have some options. They could have seen their brothers and sisters in sin leading towards sin, and they could have said something like this, you idiots, you fools, stop doing that right now stop, God's going to strike you down. Worse yet, you're going to get us all killed. Or they could have just killed them, themselves, right then and there. They could have just gone up and stood up, done a pinchas on them, right? Spear, shish kebab, Jewish shish kebab by pinchas. That's one approach, and it actually turns out to be quite a popular approach within religious communities. I'll explain that in just a second. But how about this approach? And just hear me out. An approach that I think is the most important thing we could learn as a tribe, as believers, as co-laborers with God, as representatives to so many people who have lost their connection. Try this on for size. Listen. I know you're scared. I'm scared too. Moses has been gone. This is not exactly how we thought it was going to work out. I have some uncertainty. We're out here, but look what God has done up to this point. Look how he has been faithful to us. He's not left us. He said he'd be our God and we'd be his people. And maybe right now you, you can't see him, but I'm here. I'm your people. I'm with you. I'll be beside you through this. We'll walk this thing together and we'll trust Hashem in it. We'll do it together. But even if you don't feel Him now, believe me, He's still here. And I will help you find Him again. But trust in Me at least if you can't trust in Him just this moment. Let Me be there for you. He's real. And even if you don't have a connection, connect to me. I'm here. I want you to know that the one sure way to lose your connection forever is to keep going on the road you're going on. But I'm here. I'll help you. Let's turn around. Let's go back. Let's go away from where you're headed. And even if you've already thought about going there, even if you put some gold into the calf or whatever you did, I'm here. Let's go together. We can turn together. And we can go back to Him. Which approach? We tend toward the first. We tend toward the first. Oh, that's so sweet, Damien. What a loving little cutesy approach to take with somebody living in sin. How, how cute. Well, let me ask you what our ultimate goal is. What are we trying to kill? The person or the sin? Because too many people are dying through our holy religious efforts. I don't mean literally, although there are millions dying by that too, but I'm talking about our, our, our approach. And, and don't, I'm not naive. I, I know that Yeshua said, don't cast your pearls before swine. I know that there are people who are simply not interested, who are not going to ever have anything to do with God, but are we the ones who get to make the decision as to who those people are? So what's our approach? I'll kill you or I'll connect to you. Talking to Matt Goddard the other day, he made this comment, you know, it's not up to us to save the world, but we should at least start with one. We can start with one and make a connection. We have three options. We can we, we can we can watch them dance around their calf and we can wait for them to die. In other words, we can do nothing. We can say nothing and they will fall further and further and further from connection and they will die. That is the cost of apathy. We can kill them ourselves. You know, in Exodus 24, when Moses went up, he left Aaron and Hur in charge. When he came down, there was no Hur. Hur, H-U-R, not H-E-R, women, I'm not slamming women here. H-U-R, Miriam's husband. There was no Hur when he came down. Why? Do you know why what tradition tells us? Tradition tells us that Hur tried to stop what was going on and was killed. That Her tried to stand up and stop what was happening and the people turned on him and killed him and so Her was no myrrh. But you know what? I don't know. I'm sure Hur was a righteous dude but I don't know exactly what his approach was. What if it was the one I mentioned above? It doesn't work that well. And I don't know if her provided a holy scolding, but listen to this phrase from a book I read recently. We try to scold people into holier living. Reproving another provides an easy route to representing God without the hard work of involvement. It is so easy to talk the talk. It's so easy to talk the holy talk. This phrase, this, te- this passage, we try to scold people into holier living. Reproving another provides an easy route to representing God without the hard work of involvement. We can kill them not with our hands, but with our words. How many deaths have I participated in with my words in my own family? I had, a, I had a, like this, I'm taking my girls to school this, mor- this week and Taylor's trying to do something in the console and something pops up and stuff flies out of the console in the truck. I mean, it was, the, I could sense the terror in the truck from my daughters. Do you know Why? Because for so long, I like wouldn't let my kids make a mistake or have an accident. It makes me want to sob. And I, Taylor said, I'm sorry. And I'm not like abusive. I'm not like, you know, crucifying myself up here. But I said, no, I'm sorry. I am so sorry that you have to be afraid to make a mistake or have an accident. I did that. I try to undo it because I want to be involved. I want to be involved in making connection. I want to restore, restore you can restore. Sometimes things are so broken and it seems impossible. But you just make yourself available and God can do the restoration. Because He'll change you from the inside. But that's way off topic. We can kill them with our words, we can gossip about them, we can look with disdain, we can tell them how broken they are, or how stupid they are, or how they really need to get this fixed before God will take you back. And, and I'm not defending the golden calf, I'm not saying idolaters are good, or, or that something drastic didn't need to be done, but maybe hers approach didn't work, and they killed him for it because that's usually what people wanna do to you when you come to them and say, you're stupid, why are you doing that? Don't you know God wants you to come back and be holy? That's true, but how we deliver that matters. And as I was writing this message and thinking and picturing everybody's faces, I really don't know anybody in here who would actually take that approach. Thank God. but you don't know what God has for you in your path. You don't know who He's going to put in front of you that you might want to kill with your hands, with your words. And instead, you have to back up. Something drastic does need to be done in our community and in our society, and it is this option. We can do nothing. We can terrorize them or we can be their connection. But God's their connection. I know, but you just might be the one. You might be the one who reconnects them to God. You might be the one who has them turn from the golden calf they put here, that they put there, that they put there. A field of golden calves. You might be the one who brings them back I have a good pastor friend who, who told me this story. It's about meeting people where they are, hearing them, loving them, bringing them back to connection. In other words, being what Yeshua was and is to us. Anyone gotten off the road and had to go back through Yeshua and say, I'm sorry, thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiveness. Anyone ever had to do that? I have done that. I think you have to. My friend told me this. He went to a restaurant and the waitress at the restaurant came up to their table and she was ah, interesting looking, um, had some particularly defining features and they began to get into a conversation and it turns out that in her life, her, her church had turned on her and basically asked her to leave. Her family had rejected her and told her, know what, we just don't have any use for you. These are two pretty important institutions to feel a connection to, wouldn't you say? Your fellow believers and your own family. And so she has neither. Why? Can you guess why that might happen to her? I'll tell you, she's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. And she said to my friend, I want to go to church, but I'm not about to put myself in that situation again, to have to endure that pain. Would you? I'd just find myself a new calf maybe. It'd be easier to run, just to say the connection's broken, I'll find something else. Well, my friend said, I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry that happened to you. But I can tell you this. You can walk in the door of my church anytime you want. And you will be loved. Now, does my friend know that if she continues down the road she's on, That she's going to become further and further and more and more disconnected and unhappy and unhealthy? Of course he knows that. Of course he knows that. He's a man of God. Does my friend think that it's a great thing for homosexuality to run rampant in our society and that we should encourage people to live that lifestyle? No, he doesn't think that either because he believes in the Bible and he believes in God. So what did he say to her Uh, after that? He said, well, here's the deal. You can come and you'll be loved. But before you do that, you need to get in touch with what's wrong with you. Sit down, fix yourself, make yourself holy and in a... Appropriate way to walk into the doors of a place where we are supposed to be defined by love. That's the thing you need to do first. Did he say that? No, he didn't say that. He said, I'll be waiting for you. As she cried and sobbed because no one will connect to her that's supposed to be the ultimate connectors the ones who are filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the ones who have Yeshua as a model of what it means to go to the broken and the downhearted and the homosexuals and the tax slayers and the whoever. And it's a hard field, brothers and sisters, when people don't want what you have. But you don't always succeed the first time. And did she come to their church? No. No. She hasn't been there. But he went back to that restaurant five weeks later, and he walked in, and she came running from the back of the restaurant and gave him a big hug. And he said, oh, I missed you. And she said, I want to get there so bad, but they've had me work every Sunday. And he said... I'll be waiting for you. Because he is always prepared to connect. Man, you're getting tolerant over here. I'm not getting tolerant, I'm getting loving because for a long time in my life I haven't been. I want perfection, I want control. I want to be in charge, I want you to do it my way, I want it done this way or not that way, and your best, uh, it's okay, but let me show you how to do this better. I am a jerk sometimes. I'm not becoming tolerant, I'm becoming loving, and there's a difference between those two for sure. Am I saying we never get angry about anything? No, I'm not saying that. Moses got angry, remember? In our portion, Moses got angry. What did he do? He came down. That was smashing the tablets, in case you didn't know. But you know what? Anger is okay. Sometimes it happens. We get angry. We have situations that require that but it's not the best starting point. But Moses came down, he was angry. If the tribe had performed as they were supposed to, that never would have happened. Moses was the last line of defense, not the first. The people were to care for one another. So yeah, he got angry. But if the tribe had functioned as a tribe, if apathy had not won the day, if connections had been restored and people had been turned, they would have saved God some time because we would have had those first tablets. But that didn't happen that way. I want to tell you something. There are some people in this room that have been through hell and back in a variety of situations. A lot of people, actually. A lot of people. Like almost everybody I look at, I know something incredibly difficult you've been through. Because that happens in life. Do you remember me telling you this story uh, one Shabbat while we were here? Lance and Emery's dear friends in Arkansas, and he was working on a, uh, the dad was working on a bus for their family, and the bus rolled into gear and rolled over his daughter, his two-year-old daughter. And, and thank God she lived and she was paralyzed and she is paralyzed. Her name is Millie. And the mom's name was Maggie and his name is Cody. Well, that happened in August, I think. And then on Monday morning, I got a call that Cody was the dad was driving down the highway and was killed in a head-on collision. 24 years old. I went to get my hair cut yesterday and the lady who normally cuts my hair wasn't there and I asked the other lady I said, "Where's where's where is she?" "Oh, she's she's been out for a while. What happened?" "Her grandbaby died." "Oh, goodness, what happened?" "She's 18 18 months old and she got some type of flu some type of pneumonia an 18 month old baby who died and that's horrible but you know what's worse that's the second child that died in that family they had a one week old premature baby who died and they're burying a second child And so we all have problems. And on the relative scale of problems, I don't ever go there. because your problem is the biggest problem to you, I understand that, but there's got to there has to be some frame of reference, right? But what I want to tell you about those situations and some of your situations, some people don't come back from that. Some people lose their faith in God. And do you know what? I would almost say rightly so. Because when I pray about these things, I'm like, God, how? How can this be and what am I supposed to say? Well, nothing is the answer, of course. You know that. There's no words. There's no words but I pray and I say, God, it's almost like you're not even up there. And it's not even me. It's not even my situation. Some people don't come back from these things. Do you know what brings them back? You, mostly. Connection. Having somebody who will say, I will walk through this with you. And we're so sad. Scared because, oh my gosh, what if I don't say the right thing? Or what if this, ah, ah, what do I do? Just go. Just go sit by them and, and, and just be there and just have a connection with people. And, and that's what we need. We need it in here and they need it out there. But just like that, you look at that Israel thing, you know, the golden calf, When the internal tribe is weak, you can't accomplish the external goal. When Israel is divided by apathy and idolatry and tablets are being broken and people are being killed and everything, how in the world are you supposed to be a light to the nations? How are you supposed to be a kingdom of priests? You have to have connection in here. Those statistics I told you last week in the message, people are losing connections left and right. We see it in Kitisa. God was real, His servant is real, they're going to take care of us. We can trust God, we can trust Moses, and we're united. And they stood on the seashore singing, Mocha and they trusted in God and they trusted in His servant, and now all of a sudden they don't. That quickly, why? Because they lost their connection. But they're a bunch of idiots. I mean, they just, they just judged the calendar wrong. Moses was going to come down. It doesn't matter why they lost their connection, actually. If we want to be what Yeshua was to us and is to us, that's why I've been tra- talking to you about tribes about what it means and how it defines us and what we're trying to be a member of the tribe that's funny a mot is like a slang word we were talking about it at shabbat dinner mot is a slang way of saying are you jewish are you mot member of the tribe right well yeah we're going to be mot's in here but not that tribe Because if we wanna be effective, we'll start in here and we'll take it out. That's what happened for Yeshua and 12 guys. And you are the recipients of what they did. Connections are being lost. Do you know what the leading cause of death in people under 50 is today? What's your guess, Ralph? Okay, So this statistic I read for the leading cause of death for people between the age of like 21 and 50, opiate overdose. Becoming, okay? Who in the world would have ever thought Nancy Reagan, just say no. Who would have ever thought 25 years later that we had all this drugs, no to drugs, no to drugs, and now what's happened? We have an opium golden calf. Because I got a big old hole in here. I got a disconnect. I got hurt and I took these prescription medications and now I have to have actual heroin to do it because I can't get off of it. Well, you're weak. You stink. You're disconnected. There's a problem and nobody's there to help. But they're drug addicts. I understand that. I've dealt with addicts. It's extremely frustrating and difficult. Extremely. And sometimes you have, as I said, you don't cast your pearls before swine. It happens. Some people just cannot be helped. But we don't get to decide. You know, the average adult spends three hours on their mobile phone per day. How can that even happen? Well, I do it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm on my phone all the time, checking email, like going to eat lunch. What do I do? I look at my phone. I might play a game. I might read the Bible. I might do who knows what I might do. I might drop a dumbbell on my phone screen like I did this week in the gym, so now that limits the amount of time that I have on my phone, but three hours a day on the phone, like why? Void, golden calf, like, oh man, there's nothing else to do. That's not actually true, but there are things to do. And here's something I'm going to say that might not sit too well as we make our way toward the toward the conclusion here. When we have to make our religious services like a trip to Six Flags, like a concert, a party, a shindig full of effects and staging, what's different than dancing around a golden calf and a big party? Well, God's in it. Well, God actually was in that too. Now. Aaron, you know, Aaron said, he took the gold, he fashioned it, engraving tool, made it into a molten calf, upon which they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it, and Aaron proclaimed and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. Now, the traditional suggestion is that Aaron is very cunning in what he's doing, he's trying to delay. He's trying to say, tomorrow we'll have a feast to the Lord because he knew Moshe would be back. He knew it could be saved. He wasn't saying, okay, we're going to have a party to this cow. Okay, That's the traditional understanding that kind of gets Aaron off the hook. I don't know if I actually can go with that. I think that what Aaron was saying was, we're going to pacify these people. And so tomorrow, yeah, it's not good that this cow's here, but at least we're going to do it to the Lord. So what's the difference between making a big, driving a car into the, like the thing so the pastor can sit up there and lean on the car and talk about, you know, his message about something. And I'm not, that sounds horribly critical, forgive me. I'm sorry, any audio people. I'm sorry, forgive me. It's just that it happens. People build like an indoor fire station and stage rescuing to symbolize salvation. I mean, come on! Let's connect with people. Let's love God, and let's love each other. And how do we do that? Well, Paul asked last week, and Paul's not here, but I'll say it anyway, because he better listen on audio. He said, yeah, that's real good, Damien. Love God, loving God, loving each other, that's great. How do you do it? Like, I'm a math guy, right? Give me application. How do you do it? Well, Paul, if you'll give me some time, I'll get us there. It won't be today exactly, but there is a way to do that. There is a way to do that. But there is a danger actually in the message that I'm, these series that I'm talking about here with tribes is that it would make it seem that it's all about us, that it's all internal, that we need to really worry only about what's going on in here and the world out there can take care of themselves. That's exactly the opposite of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a huge uh, uh, connected inner core that will make a difference in connection for people outside. That's what I'm talking about, but that is a danger. So I've determined something about our tribe. You ready for this? We're changing our occupation. We we are fishers, right? We're fishermen and women. We're fishers of men. We're going to keep that one but we're going to also become butchers. Butchers like the Levites running through the camp with their swords killing 3,000 people. No, not like that. That's not exactly what I mean. What I mean is we're going to become butchers of golden calves in our own lives and in other people's lives. We are going to find and help people separate themselves from the things that are breaking their relationship with God. Those things that the world has created to mask the beauty of what you know is genuine relationship with God and what that can be like and what it can carry you through. Because the other thing I know about everyone in here who's been through a hellaciously difficult situation is that God has gotten you through it. And hopefully there were some people He used to do that. But you are the people who have the stories for the brokenhearted. And so we're going to slay those calves. We're going to butcher those golden calves. All of the golden calves that are just another form of disconnect, we're taking taking them out. And our blade, our, 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 our tool, connection. Learning the wonderful ability to meet someone where they are. And I am not good at it. Can I just say that right up front? I'm not very good at it. Because of all the other things I've told you, like wanting people to be perfect and not understanding why people can't do things my way or whatever else, I'm not that great at it. But if we don't get better at it, we are going to suffer internally and externally. Do you know who the ultimate golden calf slayer was? Yeshua. Shouldn't come as a surprise. He could kill a cow in one sentence. Remember the story from John 7 and 8, Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, remember the woman I'm talking about? Famous, she's defined by her action. Who is this woman? Who is she? How do do we know her? The woman caught in adultery, she's defined by her her action, and so Yeshua says, woman, woman. Who is this woman? She's caught in adultery. She's caught trying to fill a void. She's disconnected. She's broken. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Yeshua said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Bam! Calf, slayed, reconnection, made. How? Why? What are you talking about? So we don't call out sin? Yes, we can call out sin, but we don't start there. You just probably are going to diminish your results. And I'm just being honest with you. If that's not holy enough for you, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not your guy. But it doesn't work. And here is our Messiah. Messiah demonstrating what it looks like to find broken people and bring them out and connect them. We don't call... I mean, so you can say go and sin no more after you've established the right to do that. John 4.17, Peter is there on the beach. Yeshua said to him a third time, Shimon, son of Yochanan, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Why was Peter grieved? Because he was a perceived failure. Because he had been chosen by Yeshua to do something remarkable. He was absolutely connected to Yeshua and he blew it. And how could Yeshua ever trust him How could he accept him, love him? And he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Bam, calf slayed. What do you mean? Because he demonstrates I am still here. I know you failed. I know you stunk it up. I know you blew it. I still believe in you and I will walk this through with you. I know there's good in you because I know who you'll become. Can we be that inside these walls? Can we come to the place where I can say something to you that's not very pretty? On a personal level, I could say to you, Ralph, I'm broken, man. And you could help me and you could you could walk through it or Sharon could say to to, to Linda I'm not going to make it like I'm 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 done and Linda can say you're not done you have me and all of us can be that that is such a that that preaches so well and that is so non-existent in most communities. I don't think there are more than like five of us in here who would go up to one another and say, you know what? You know what? Uh, well, I'm not going uh, to say that. But if, if we could do that, if we could get there, things change. They change in a beautiful and wonderful way. And what happens is what I keep saying is that other people are attracted to that. And they don't care if I can't sing or they don't care if, oh, it's too Jewish or they don't care if there's not 50,000 people and I haven't pulled a car up onto the bema to, to emphasize my message. What they care about is You know what, Ralph's here, he walked through that with me. You know what, my pastor friend who invited me, even though I'm a lesbian, he's there, I'm going there. Sharon's there because Linda's there and she's walking it through. Can we get there? We can get there because we are getting there. We are getting there. So we're going to make a difference, folks. We are not and no longer allowed to be apathetic. And so your new Nachamu Ami t-shirt, your new Nachamu Ami tribe of golden calf slayers. There's your t-shirt. What do you think? That'll, that'll draw them in. What is that? Oh, it's my synagogue. It's where we worship God. Golden calf slayers. The tribe of golden calf slayers in here and out there, because you know what I believe? I believe God has assembled the most amazing group of people to assemble under one roof in Macon, Georgia, in this place. I know you all. Even you, Jonathan, I think you're amazing too. I know you. I know your story. I know the way you love. I know the way you love God. I know the way that you love people. And I believe that this is the most amazing group assembled under one roof. And when everyone's here, it's like you couldn't contain this place. And that's good for us inside. But let's get out there and do something with it. And I've said that, gosh, I can't even imagine how many hundreds of messages I've said that. Let's get out there and do something with it. That's lame. Let's really Figure out what difference we're going to make in the world. We'll start it in here. We'll continue to strengthen this. We'll have those honest, connected relationships with one another. And we'll take it out. Because God just doesn't do things by happenstance. You're assembled. You're a part of this tribe for this reason. Using some Purim language, even though it's a little late, for such a time as this. Shabbat shalom.